Good morning, church. Nice to see you all this morning. I see a lot of red today. Must be something going on this afternoon, or this evening, rather. Uh, it's nice to see you all today. My name is Kobe Pulse. I am the associate pastor here at Cameron UMC. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Um, I want to welcome all of you joining us online this morning. Uh, just as a reminder, please uh, take a moment to fill out the, the attendance slips and place those in the, uh, the offering plate with any financial gifts uh, to the church this morning. And for all of you online, please, uh, if you're watching on Facebook, hit the like button or make a comment and uh, let us know that you're joining us this morning. Uh, we have a couple of announcements to start off. Um, first of all, there will be youth group tonight at 7 o'clock from 7 to, to, uh, to 8.30. Uh, but be careful. The parking lot's just a little slick still, so uh, there is youth group, but be careful coming. Um, Tuesday night, um, we want to extend an invitation. Uh, I'm a part of a Tuesday night small group, uh, myself and uh, Mike Mulford in the uh, wave, Mike. There we go. Uh, Mike and I are a part of a Tuesday night small group that meets at uh, 6.30 till 8-ish. Usually, eight-ish. Sometimes we'll go a little long, but uh, we're getting ready to start a new study called Invitation, and uh, it's a 10-week study. There's some, some daily reading and questions. It's not a lot of reading, so uh, it's pretty easy to do, and, uh, and, but just uh, the group that we have is a wonderful group um, with uh, April McIntyre as a part of our group. Um, there's a couple named Scott and Annette Griesinger. If you remember, during Advent, there was a couple that did a video uh, Advent candle lighting. That's the couple that's a part of our small group. So that's, it's a small group. There's only about five of us, and we'd love to have two or three more join us. So if you're interested in a Tuesday night group uh, for about an hour and a half or so, uh, get in touch with me and let me know, and I'll, uh, I'll get the resources to you. Um, one other announcement is to uh, please mark your calendars for uh, February 6th. Right after church, there's going to be a town hall meeting. Dan's going to just talk about uh, some of the, I think, probably the finances of the church and just kind of where we are right now and what to expect moving forward. So um, mark your calendars right after church, February 6th. That is not Super Bowl Sunday. So that's all right to come to church and to stay a little late that day because it's not Super Bowl Sunday. And, and uh, we don't have to worry about it in case a certain team gets in, what our plans might be for that day. So we're good to go that day. So mark your calendars for that and plan to join us. So now uh, as we begin worship, um, whether we're here in person, whether we are online, listening on the radio, however it is you're joining us with us this morning, I just want to ask if you want to just close your eyes for a moment. Take a deep breath. And allow God to come into this moment with you knowing that God is with us. God is here. Let's bring all of our hearts, all of our attention, all of ourselves to God in this moment. Open your eyes, and let's all stand as the light of Christ comes as a reminder that God is here. God is with us as the choir leads us in song. We are one in the spirit that we are. 
Please join me in prayer. Holy God, we are thankful for this day when we gather here in your presence, this wonderful day where you are here with us, Lord, where you are always with us. This reminder that no matter where we go, no matter what we experience, you are with each and every one of us. However strong or however small our faith is in you, you are there. Whether the rain or whether the sun, you are there. Whether triumph, whether failure, you are there. Holy God, we thank you for being the God of every moment of our days, no matter what we experience, for those who are strong in faith or those who are little in faith, you are still God and you are still there. We thank you, we praise you, we come worshiping you now in the prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated.
Well, as Kobe mentioned, we're going to continue our uh, series on the parables this day. Um, we're going to take a look at another parable from Matthew 13. Um, for those of you who um, may not remember, um, a simplified definition of a parable is it's really just a short story that Jesus told um, where he used illustrations uh, to, to make a point that might have been difficult um, for folks to hear. Uh, that these parables, though they are uh, short, um, often required uh, reflection and thought. And they were intended to change folks' attitudes and behaviors. And so the folks who heard Jesus' parables were invited uh, to open up their ears and to hear with new ears and to see with fresh eyes. And so you all are encouraged to do that today. Um, I, I also, as we continue in this uh, series, I just want to encourage you, and, and uh, uh, for those who are online, um, if there's a parable that you would like to have unpacked sometime over the next seven or eight weeks, uh, just type it in, and we'll make a note, and we will um, see if we're capable of uh, interpreting that parable. Does that sound okay? Um, and so uh, for the folks who are here, you can do the same thing, but uh, I just want to invite you, if there's a parable that you've always struggled with um, and you'd like to hear more about, uh, let me know, and um, we'll see if we can add it to the mix of what we take a look at. Does that sound good? Okay. Um, so today's parable um, comes from uh, Matthew 13, as I said. And so I just want to begin by uh, reading this parable uh, that uh, begins in verse 24. A and actually, if you're following along in Scripture, you might note uh, that this parable immediately follows Jesus' interpretation of the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower that we, we looked at last week. And so in, in Matthew's, there's a whole series of parables here. And so we pick up uh, this parable, beginning in verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like someone who planted good seed in his field. While people were sleeping, an enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and went away. When the stalks sprouted and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. The servants of the landowner came and they said to him, Master, didn't you plant good seed in your field? Then how is it that it has weeds? An enemy has done this, he answered. And the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and gather them? But the landowner said, No, because if you gather the weeds, you'll pull up the wheat along with them. Let both grow side by side until the harvest, and at harvest time... I'll say to the harvesters, first gather the weeds and tie them together in bundles to be burned, but bring the wheat into my barn. Everyone with ears to hear, hear the word of God this day. Now, if you're familiar with this passage, you know that a little bit later on, uh, like with the parable of the sower, Jesus will give an interpretation uh, of this particular parable. In fact, these are the only two parables that Jesus gives an interpretation uh, for. Uh, but just like with the parable of the sower, 
Um, Jesus' interpretation is spurred by um, his followers asking him to explain it. And so one of the things with parables is they invite us to ask questions. They invite us to uh, dig a little deeper. And so I think that's why we see this in Matthew and, and in the other uh, uh, Gospels when it comes to a parable. Um, when folks ask, Jesus elaborates more. A and I think we'll read that interpretation a little bit later. Uh, but um, I just wanted to... Um, uh, give uh, Jesus, Jesus gives some correspondences. In other words, um, who do you think that the sower of the good seed is? Any guesses? Yes? God. There we go, right? Uh, I mean, some of this we can figure out. We, we don't need Jesus' interpretation, right? Um, the sower of the good seed is God or Jesus. And in fact, Jesus says it's the human one or the son of man, which is a reference he uses to himself about himself. And the field um, is the world. And the good seed are Jesus' followers. And the weeds are the followers of the evil one. And the evil one, anybody know who the evil one is? Are you all awake? I can hear people online better than I can hear you all. Do you all know who the evil one is? There we go. It's Satan, right? And the, and the harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. That's what he tells us in the interpretation. Um, and uh, the interpretation elaborates a little bit more. But So before we do that, I want to uh, take a closer look at the parable itself, because um, oftentimes when folks have heard this parable, um, when, when we've taught this parable, uh, we're, we're quick to run through the parable, and um, oftentimes we think the parable is simply about uh, being tolerant and patient um, and, and just uh, about not judging other people uh, because uh, it talks about letting the wheat and the, and the weeds stay together. Um, but let's, so, so let's take a closer look, and before we do that, let's be reminded of the context in which Jesus is telling the story, okay? Um, it, Jesus is telling the story in the first century when the expectation was that the Messiah would come, and what would the Messiah do when the Messiah came? The Messiah would toss out Rome. The Messiah uh, would, would gather the nation of Israel together and set up this, this kingdom that would be out of Jerusalem. They would, they would purify Jerusalem. They would uh, do away with all of God's enemies, and God's kingdom uh, would, would come through the people of Israel in Jesus' day and time. There was this expectation uh, that when the Messiah came, all of this would begin to happen. Uh, uh, but guess what? When Jesus comes and he says the kingdom of God is coming, um, does any of that begin to happen? As Jesus' ministry goes on, uh, Rome is still present. There are still unrighteous people. There is no uh, separating of people. Uh, and so uh, folks are beginning to wonder, is, is it true? Can the kingdom of God really be coming if all of this evil still exists? How can this be true? Um, and I, I think that we, we know that because the, the first question that the disciples ask or, or that is asked about in this parable is, um, okay, where did the weeds come from? 
to which the landowner says they were planted by someone else. In other words, all that is going on in the world is not simply because of what God is doing, but there are those opposed to God who are at work in the world. And even though the kingdom has come in the presence of Jesus, uh, there are still those who sow evil seeds. There are still people who reject God and God's ways and live in their own ways. And so we get that. We know that, right? Um, and, and I think where we're really shocked in this story is then the servants say to Jesus, so we need to go pull up the weeds, right? And Jesus says, don't pull the weeds. Now, I don't know, any of you who are farmers, is that your approach to weeds in your field? Just let them grow, right? No. So it's like Jesus' answer is a, a really a shocking answer. Now, what, what do you mean? Every good farmer knows you need to, I mean, have you ever seen a garden where um, the, folks, the folks who were tending it uh, decided just to let the weeds grow. Yes? I don't know. I, I've seen a few of those. I, I know uh, I, I've seen a few folks who have planted raised beds, and they had great intentions. Um, and, and after they weeded for about three weeks, they're like, this is hard work. I'm done. And, and um, before long, it looks like a bed of weeds not a bed of tomato plants or whatever, yes, or, 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 or a bed of cucumbers. Um, so we know that letting the weeds grow, this is, this is strange, strange advice. And yet Jesus says, don't pull the weeds. Well, that should be a clue that this parable is not just about farming, yes? Um, it's about more. It is indeed about the world. It is indeed about people. The weeds and the wheat represent people. And what reason does Jesus give for not pulling the weeds? You might pull up wheat. You might pull up a good plant. Yes? And so um, he is concerned... Uh, that in, in pulling up the weeds, somebody might pull up um, a, a good plant. And obviously, Jesus knows about my weeding skills. Um, nobody ever asked me to go weed the flower bed because uh, I, I come back and um, the weeds are still there and the flowers are gone because I don't know how to tell the difference. And so I think part of, uh, of Jesus telling them this is, um, his concern uh, that uh, he does not want the good uprooted in an attempt to get rid of the weeds. Uh, he's probably concerned there are weeders like me who just aren't very good in discerning the difference between the wheat and the weeds. And in reality, um, the uh, weeds that they're talking about are probably a weed called darnal. Um, which looked very much like wheat in its early stages and really wasn't until harvest time when you could tell the difference. Uh, when the uh, darnel would have a, a dark seed and the wheat would have a golden seed. 
And then you could tell the difference. And so um, Jesus was afraid that if folks pulled up the weeds or started to pull up the weeds, that they would pull up good plants. Now, the other interesting thing about this parable is Jesus doesn't, I mean, he, he doesn't say, so everything is going to be good, and, and when harvest time comes, we'll just gather everything and take it into the barn. There's still going to be this separation of the weeds from the wheat. There will still be this time when Jesus sends the appropriate harvester, ones that know the weeds better than I do, to pull the weeds and gather them up Um, and remove all that is evil from the world so that the kingdom of God might shine brightly. And so uh, this parable, as I said, has often been interpreted within the church or sometimes been interpreted within the church. Well, um, this parable just means that, that we just let anything and everything go. But that's really not what the parable is about. The parable is about this time in between when when, uh, Jesus, when the gospel of Christ is is being shared. It is a reminder that the kingdom uh, comes and that the kingdom is coming. And the the fact that evil and good coexist is not an indication that the kingdom of God does not exist or is not present. And in fact, I think if we want to understand this parable a little bit better, we look at a couple of parables that follow this one. In between the, the um, interpretation of the parable and the parable itself, there's a couple of other parables Jesus tells. There is a parable of the mustard seed, which I'm betting that most of you are familiar with, uh, where Jesus talks about, um, in fact, I'll just, I'll just read it. Is that okay? Um, it's a very short parable, and, and here's the two parables that are in between the, the um, parable of the weeds and its interpretation. It says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and planted in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when grown, it's the largest of all vegetable plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds in the sky come and nest in its branches. And then he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which when a woman took and hid in a bushel of wheat until the yeast had worked its way through all of the dough. I can't help but wonder if those parables are connected to this one for a reason. Both of them are an indication that though we may not see the kingdom of God at work all the time, we can be assured that it is at work. Like a small mustard seed that is planted, uh, eventually the kingdom of God or, or families of the kingdom of God spring up and they provide places for folks to rust and to be healed. Uh, like yeast that works its way through the dough, eventually it affects all of the dough. And so as I, as I think on this parable of the weeds, and I listen to these two parables, I, I, I wonder... I wonder if Jesus, or if this parable is told um, because um, there is this possibility that weeds might become wheat. Now that's 
strange, Pastor. We know that's not possible. We hear stories about weeds in the midst of the garden, and we're always worried about the impact that weeds have on the good crop, right? Because we've seen gardens where weeds are allowed to grow. They look like a mess. But I just wonder... If we think about this parable and the two that follow it in the context of Jesus' ministry, if if part of him saying let the weeds and the wheat grow together is not uh, just because he doesn't want the wheat to be pulled up, but I kind of wonder if in Jesus' world and in Jesus' reality that the wheat might influence the weeds. You think that's possible? In other words, that if the weeds and the wheat, they grow up together in this world, and the wheat are true followers of God who show His love and His compassion, who live in the way of Jesus, is it possible that a weed might be transformed into wheat? Is it possible that a person who we think is good for nothing um, might become a devoted follower of Jesus. And if we're too quick to pull up the weeds and to discount them and to discard them and to push them aside, we would prematurely push them and shove them out of the kingdom of God. Now, maybe I'm taking this parable further than Jesus ever intended it to go. But I don't know, as I read it, in light of the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven, I can't help but wonder if that might not be a part of it. And in due time, in due time, God will send the appropriate folks to rid the world of evil so that the kingdom of God might come to fruition and all of God's goodness might shine without distraction. But until then, until then, no matter how illogical it seems, I mean, we know the logical thing to do is to pull the weeds. And yet Jesus says, don't pull weeds the weeds. Let them grow grow alongside the wheat. Maybe, maybe as the wheat shows forgiveness and kindness and graciousness and compassion to the weeds that are alongside of us, they may become wheat. The foolishness, what sounds like foolishness to us, is the wisdom of Christ and how the kingdom of God works. May we not be so quick to pull up the weeds that we see around us, to push people out of the kingdom of God because we think they don't belong. May we always seek to live and to love like Jesus so that other people might come to follow Christ 
and bear fruit as we bear fruit. May those with ears to hear, hear and respond this day. And now I invite you, um, as we sing, take my life and let it be, um, you all can stand. I'm going to invite you to join, but I invite you uh, just to reflect on how it is God might be calling you to use your life in the midst of this world where weeds and wheat grow together to help transform weeds into wheat. And so you are invited to go forth to take your hands and your feet and your voice and all of your being uh, so that God's love might be shared with the world and so that God's ways might shine forth in this world and others might be drawn to Christ. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.